This is Tessa and Matthew, and we're devouring and dissecting the original programming of TV's crown jewel, HBO, starting with its top 10 shows of all time, according to New York Magazine's Vulture. You're listening to HBO's. What can we say? We're sluts for HBO. We are back, baby, episode three on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Back, back, baby. Back to it. Back in the groove. Thanks, everyone. Um, Thank you to all of our over 100 downloads. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you to our fans. Like, seriously, all of your reach out and supportive comments have really made us feel good about this endeavor. Um, about us achieving our millennial dreams, as Matthew mm-hmm, mm-hmm. refers to it. And we're excited. We're having a ball. Um, really excited to talk about Curb. Um, yes, Curb. I inhaled this show, Matthew. I watched <laughs> so much Curb. I think I finished this entire show in like two months, which... wow. Yeah, that, and that is a feat because, as we will discuss, it is mm-hmm. what? How many seasons? Eleven. Eleven seasons. That is, yeah. There's a lot to talk about with the show. I, I am curious. Lot. Before we jump into it, I do want to know, like, what your, what was your? So you had not seen it before. Oh yeah. So yeah. No, I had not seen it before. I have seen some episodes of Seinfeld and really do like Seinfeld's humor. Like I, I love the um, absurdities of everyday life. And I've seen Larry David's movie, Clear History, on Mm -hmm. HBO, um, which I highly recommend because it's basically a long episode of Curb. Is Mm -hmm. coming to watch Curb. I'm like, okay, so Clear History is Curb. Most of the cast is, or not most, I should say, like a good amount of the cast is in it. Um, And that was kind of it. I, I did try it in college. My friend reminded me that I started Curb in college. And this is my good friend, Haley. Shout out, Haley. We watched Girls Together. And then we were like, okay, let's find a new show. And we tried it to be Curb and also like both did not enjoy it. So I was like, okay, take two in 2022. Here we go. And I really enjoyed it. And I think part of it for me is moving to California. I recognize so much of where he is. I love seeing the celebrity cameos. Like it feels like a very timely watch for me, which definitely helps. But I will say... I was exhausted by the time I was done. I like I needed a break because it just gets so whiny sometimes. But I am excited for the time in my life where I can rewatch the show, you know, like just put on an episode, have a glass of wine, maybe watch another episode in a week instead of like five a day. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like this. This one was probably I mean, obviously, it was the longest thing yeah. that we've done yet. But I will say, like, I don't know. It Seinfeld was a huge part of my upbringing, a huge part of the, you know, um, American Jewish, you know, mm-hmm. psyche. And then, of course, same thing with Curb, um, which I would argue is even more so. And so it, I've known, I, I have 
been watching it, consuming it, never all at once like this. But I, I, I have to admit, I struggled with it this time. I struggled with. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you tell. Yeah. Um, there's a lot about it that I like. Uh, and it, I, I will admit maybe a part of this was that it was like a marathon watch. And she's. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just like, like zombies, super saturated. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about like, I, 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 I the format is really funny, but I think it can get old fast. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's something interesting. I think that the show does because it tries to pivot um, in certain ways to kind of get over that fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, I also, you know, this is also the first comedy. I guess Enlightened is sort of a black comedy, but uh, yeah. this is a mm-hmm. sort of a true, pure comedy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. There's just something about the show's point of view and perspective. And I'm an extremely cynical person, believe me. Like, I, I think that there's like a good dose of Larry David in me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think maybe like part of it is that I don't want that to be my entire appetite in terms of what I consume from an entertainment perspective, because I am looking for, sometimes I'm looking for escapism and aspirational, not like, you know, Mm -hmm. a a kind of um, circus funhouse version of like my own life or whatever. (laughs) That's the thing is you walk away from it and you start like playing the theme song in your head when you do things that are kind of ridiculous or ridiculous things happen to you and you start like translating it. And sometimes that can land so well and you're like, this would be a hilarious curb moment. And then sometimes you're like, this is so depressing and I have like (laughs) a really bitter view on everything. And and yeah, I, I think it's take and give and it depends on your mood too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think, I may, honestly, maybe just a big part of it is it's not the type of thing you want to binge. Yeah, yeah. Binging, binging succession works because it, there's like, um, I guess there's like a narrative. I also think, yeah, I, I there's something about the about uh, the binge and the like mm-hmm. the, you know, the act of of binging, mm-hmm. um, that. I think you need a little, you need like a little bit of an emotional, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I'm trying to think about other things. Like I did. Okay. I did go back and rewatch and binge Broad City. Yeah. But that feels markedly Mm -hmm. different because the the tone Mm -hmm. of it is not so like, I mean, at at its core. And that's the thing. Like also at the core of this show is, are some strong relationships and we're going to get into um, Jeff and, Yep. Larry, which I think is like kind of the emotional core, but not mm-hmm. enough. Like, yeah, you know, it's it definitely like it's something that kind of grows like as a vestigial kind of part of the show, but it's not like prioritized. Whereas like the Abby and Alana relationship, which can sometimes get actually deep, like mm-hmm. is the central part of that show. And there's something about that emotional core that makes it easy to come back to. I don't know. I'm kind That's of a really. To, yeah. No, that's a really great point, especially about binging, like the act of it itself. Like I have more success with it. I think when a show just drops and it's like one season, you know, eight episodes or something. And I feel like I'm like kind of in the motion of watching it. And the story is really at the top of my brain versus this has so many different. I mean, it's also very like true to what was going on in the world at the time. So some things, you know, you're just like, oh, man, that was a while ago or, oh, this didn't age well or 
it's a little bit harder to swallow when you're just like constantly ingesting this content and like watching episode after episode versus something that you're like, oh my gosh, this new season came out. I, I want to watch all of it. I want to be in the know and, and talk about it. Um, yeah. And the, no, that's a good point. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the, the other thing also is I, I was talking to someone about the fact that we were doing this, that this was our next episode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, we were talking about obviously Seinfeld, right? was before yep. this. Mm-hmm. And there's something about this show that just feels like Seinfeld, but like on HBO. And in that <laughs> sense, it's like yeah. Seinfeld, but like hardcore, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't hold back on this one. No, they don't. And even Seinfeld, Seinfeld has ways. I, I think the sitcom format, like the, mul- you know, whatever the like, uh, is, I always forget. Multicam. It, multicam, yeah, yeah format. Um, versus the kind of verite like yeah multicam the verite like docu style thing it just yeah it just dials it up and it's just like the cynicism is like amped up and yeah. I think that's that's what I'm kind of frustrated with because I'm like okay it's great it's a it's an awesome format it's it, he created this you know mm-hmm. ethos mm-hmm. but it's kind of like it just gets old, I think, is is all I'm trying to say. I don't doubt that he's a genius at all. And we'll get... Oh, yeah. And some of it is so funny. I also have the mark of a success of the show for me personally is when it can make me laugh out loud and I'm alone and watching yeah. by myself. And there are so many times where I was just absolutely cracking up watching that's it. True. And me I was too. like, okay, that's good. You did good. Yeah. You did like, good you, like you hear something. Yeah. yeah. And then you want to like call, <laughs> you want to like call your friend or call somebody and be like, oh, oh I my did God, that. that. With one episode, yeah, I ran out to my roommates and was like, I have to show you this scene. It's so funny. I can't believe I just watched this. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's, it, yeah, should we get into yeah, the history? Yeah, let's dive in. Some context. Yeah, some context. Um, the show, de- oh my God, I was a debuted. <laughs> debuted. <laughs> I also would like to point out in the first episode of this podcast, I like the first minute, I said pandemic instead of pandemic. And I'd like to take this opportunity to say, that was an accident. I don't know why I said a correction. Sometimes, like, yeah, here's the asterisk <laughs> with a note from that episode. <laughs> debuted in 2000 and is currently in its 11th season. There is one large gap between seasons eight and nine, which ended in 2011 and then picked back up in 2017, which I'd love to talk to you about because I think there was a big tonal shift there mm-hmm. in the show itself. Um, but also what was interesting was I was thinking about like what other shows are autobiographical in this nature and have like fictionalized versions. So some that, um, were, that came to mind upon Googling was the Larry Sanders show, Mm. which, and which are we going to watch? Yeah, we are going to watch. Exactly. So I was very excited to see that come up and especially that it ended in 1998, which was only two years before Curb debuted. So that'll be kind of fun to see if there's any similarities. Mm -hmm. Uh, 30 Rock, Louie, and I haven't seen Bored to Death, but I read that somewhere because the writer of it, like it's based on him a little bit, but then the the plot is heightened, I guess, with them being like a personal detective or something. Yeah. Dirty Rock is actually a really good example, Um, even though yeah. his lemon is still, you know, a, a separate character. But yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, Larry, De- I mean, um, Curb is like definitely very, uh, good example of this because he literally is playing larry david in mm-hmm. a world where seinfeld existed you know yep um, yep but yeah that's a very good point that you brought up 
Well, it's funny because I read somewhere that Pete Davidson is going to have a show in this style. And it's oh, that is like fascinating. Curb, but Pete's world. And exactly like it's another great person like Larry David to pick for that because you need someone with a very distinct personality who has a lot of celebrity friends, who has an interesting life to begin with. So it, you know what I mean? Like it has to be a very perfect character to pull this off and i the minute i heard that i was like yeah pete can definitely oh absolutely and that even, buddy that, pete, just that might even have more to draw from because he is he's not just a, like larry david was a comedian and in hollywood so mm -hmm. like there's all that mm -hmm. to pull from but like pete davidson is like i mean he is one of the biggest he's like an a-list celeb because of the all of his dating life and all of his datings which i'm sure he'll also have like a field day with um like i'm googling it right now i'm like where did i oh my god the first thing that comes up is pete davidson broke up with larry david's daughter that's hilarious um, i forgot about that oh my god things. wait and that how relevant too i know now that is so relevant yeah pete davidson will play himself in a new lauren michaels um well Lauren like, michaels yeah, scary raw unflinching fictionalized version of davidson's life akin to larry david's curb your enthusiasm so funny i think it'll be great i think it could be really good yeah i think it could be great <laughs> great great um but yeah the and we found some interesting quotes that highlighted the style and this like cutting edge humor and you know autobiographical uh zone that larry was making waves in and it's basically like the success of shows like this according to the guardian by the way this is from an article in the guardian but it doesn't mean the death of a traditional sitcom, but it does let the show play with their own persona and how the comic writer can like be liberated and take them, you know, their sitcom into a new territory, which is what Larry did and, and did very well. You know, he made it very believable and very funny. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's one of the, the pretty iconic things about the show. And actually, I think I took for granted how influential it was in its own right after Seinfeld because I put yeah. down here um this vulture article about uh how Kirby a song for every time we remember I mean simps or what's the term like we are literally whores we're, we're HBO we're, we're hoes for vulture I guess yeah we're like sluts for HBO but we're hoes for vulture so we yeah like sluts, for, sluts for HBO hoes for vulture for vulture if you is that our new name this. yeah vulture <laughs> If dear Vulture, it's me, Margaret, <laughs> or whatever. But we do love Vulture. We do. So retweet this or whatever. But basically, in the in this article, <laughs> um, you know, that uh, the what was kind of revolutionary about um, Curve was the season was the introduction of the season long arc um, for mm -hmm. comedy, which was mm -hmm. not which was somewhat atypical, apparently, according to the form prior wow. to Wow. Um, I didn't realize that. That's so cool that he he started that. Yeah. It says, it says um, in 2000, when the first season of Curb aired, before Arrested Development, before either iteration of The Office, which, you know, 2000, that's, that was a long time ago. And at the beginning Many of a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Season-long story arcs in sitcoms were a novel idea, if not completely uncharted territory. Nevertheless, the freedom of HBO's programming style, half-hour scheduling with no breaks, the liberty to include mature content, 
right so there's the that is the plus up from the seinfeld days you know but i thought that was interesting it, it kind of popularized um a, a format in comedy uh comedy shows well it's funny too because i i look back on my experience watching curb and my standout moments apart from just scenes that were very very funny and memorable is the season-long arcs. Like, I can point yes. to a season and be like, I love this one because of the producers being the show. And, like, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, you could go back and be like, oh, Mocha Joe, like, that was very right. funny. <laughs> but that, yeah. see, that's where it succeeds. Absolutely. Yeah. When it starts totally. to get... And I think that's what is what is versatile about the show and allows it and has given it so much longevity is that is that it pivoted in those ways and gave us those moments. And and they're very akin to like when we talked about um succession, like mm-hmm. I, I like how obsessed I am with the DC episode because <laughs> yeah. it it places I mean, this show obviously again is already about Larry David playing himself, placing himself in, you know, almost completely realistic scenarios, given that they, you know, include real mm-hmm. people and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um the very much like the DC succession thing and these kind of bigger story arcs and like bigger kind of banner moments. It's, it's really exciting to view the, to view Larry David, even though, you know, Larry David, the character, it's exciting to Mm -hmm. view him in like imagined context. Like that's why the producers is so like riveting, you know. Exactly. That's such a great point. Exactly. Because it is him, but it is exaggerated in his character and the situations around it are also exaggerated. Like we don't live in a world where Larry David would probably be in the producers on Broadway, but it's also not outlandish enough to think like, yeah, that might happen. Like, fuck it. But then the twist being that Mel Brooks was like, I really want to go into this retirement. To, I'm so yeah, I want sick of this. Yeah. Like that's like the perfect button on the joke and makes us like be brought into this different world that is a like a little bit, I'm pointing, but it's a little bit further away from us. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. It's like, I guess you could just call it a stunt basically for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. But mm-hmm. those stunts are super entertaining. Um, And they break from the format and the mold, which can sometimes get a bit stale, which is just like, okay, another blunder, like another, you know, labyrinth. (laughs) Another blunder! (laughs) No, I mean, you know, like, it's good. Yeah, no, I feel you. And and by the way, Seinfeld uh, kind of, well, they didn't do story arcs, but they, I will say that the last, I think it's the last episode or the last couple episodes of Seinfeld where they all go on trial, like all Mm -hmm. all the friends go on trial. And all the old characters come back. That is definitely like, you know, that feels like a precursor in some ways to Curb. Totally. They do have one season where they also have like a montage of all the things Larry's done wrong or good. I remember that. that. It's when he's the, Seinfeld. Yeah, when he's, when he's dying. Surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, when he tries to give the kidney and <laughs> and then the rabbi goes, is there anything you want to you wanna ask for forgiveness for? And then it rolls through all the stuff that has happened. Yeah. So funny. Um, There's a really great article I highly recommend reading um, in the New York Times um, that was called, here's what it's like to appear on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it was published in 2020, so pretty recently. And it was really interesting on the way in which this show was created for celebrity cameos and how that evolved. And like how when it was starting out, they wanted like Dustin Hoffman, Warren Beatty, Steven Spielberg, and they all said no. 
And like that must have been really like wild for them and kind of through their expectations. Um, and then once they were able to kind of convince more people, like Richard Kind was one of the first people to like have a reoccurring role as a big name. Yeah. Then it got more like enticing for celebrities and A-listers to want to be on it. Um, and I thought that was really cool and like this way that they were going to agree to play it says deeply unflattering versions of themselves and how, you know, common that became and they were all okay with it. And like that yeah. is some of my favorite things about this show is watching like, we'll go through our lists of people that we especially love but watching like Lin-Manuel Miranda play like an asshole version of himself is just like so enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Oh, David Schwimmer. That, well, that's what that's David actually Schumer. what my cameo is. But oh, yeah. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah. Um, and then also this part about how if the guest stars are not playing themselves, if they're playing a character, their audition process, which is including A-list celebrities, they get a brief synopsis of the scene and then they go into play improv with Larry David. Mm. And um, they compared it to like working for the CIA and that you only get the information on a need to know basis. So there's like just so much room for comedy and just to see, you know, the muscles that these talented actors can flex. And again, that was just such an enjoyable thing to watch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the improv is probably off the charts in this. I mean, I, mm -hmm. there's no way of knowing exactly, but like there are probably a lot of lines. And, and, and by the way, and I'm, I, I made a note about this later on, but I kind of feel mm -hmm. like it's a good segue now. So I'm just going to talk about it and we'll, we'll remember to skip it later. But <laughs> cameo cameos are a very important part of the, sh the show you know it's format um it's mm -hmm. you know it's world but equally important i think are is that the, there's i think the show does a really great job did a great job and does a great job of hiring like talented working actors to play fictional parts and you see mm -hmm. as you watch the show you're just like oh my god what and him and that and then and her and then and like you you see all these characters these people that you've come to know in other contexts after the show either mm -hmm. before or after and like i just wrote down a bunch of names here that stuck out but like lisa and walter from chessie from the parent trap oscar martinez from the office mia vardalos you know oh, from my big yes. Creek wedding she plays the lawyer uh -huh. oh my god rose abdu she's the she's the um great a comedic actor who plays Cheryl's interior decorator who in the very, very beginning and she goes, oh, Larry, you oh, animals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nicole. Okay, I, I want to bring up Nicole Yvette oh. Brown specifically because I feel like a lot of her lines were improvised mm -hmm. and they're amazing when she's like, She's like, sir, I'm trying to go to Florida. Would you like to come with me? <laughs> like, I just feel like she must have improv. Like, she's obviously a very strong comedic actor. Mm -hmm. June Squibb in Nebraska, from Nebraska, yes. she plays oh his mom. God. Craig Robinson from the office. And then, oh my God, B. Arthur had a cameo as his mom. Just like, I just thought it was, they. while there is this whole class of people that come on to play themselves, there are also some mm -hmm. really talented working actors. And I say working actors is not like, you know, they're not always like the A-list celebs. Obviously, there are sometimes those that end up playing themselves, but like mm -hmm. really strong actors who come to play those kinds of bit parts and yep. it's just such a delight you know that's such a great point it's it's really such a treat to see them like starting out their early work and like seeing them like play around with these like a-list actors and being like oh man they're only gonna get better 
and they're just going to keep growing and they're already so good in like the early 2000s like I I was watching earlier today an episode to prep and Jerry from Parks and Rec it plays a detective in an episode you're just like oh my god they pop up all over the place like it was it's such a fun surprise yeah Um, totally anyway so love that what else what else Oh yeah, just I think we I, we messaged about this, but um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was I, I just read this thing on Screen Rant that was saying that Cheryl that their divorce kind of was like another oh. moment of reinvention for the show, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I think the point that it's making is that like it has this cyclical thing where it's like, okay, Larry's done fucked up in some way. Usually, it comes back and affects Cheryl, and usually yep. by the beginning of the next episode, she's just kind of you know she's grown to love him as she forgives she she forgives him um but by having their breakup be part of it it de- it definitely breathes life into the show i think um while not while still having yeah. her be a part of it you know in a really clever way too because the whole first few seasons before they do like for me at least i was always just like how is this woman married to him it is a nightmare it's funny to watch but part of me always was like, oh, my God, if I was in this marriage, like, I would be so miserable. <laughs> this guy has a problem with everything, always drops the ball, complains all the time, like, exhausting. Mm-hmm. So when she finally was like, I'm getting out, I was like, all right, I'm in. I want to watch this, like, all unfold. This, like, shit show hit the fan. But he was so happy for her, too. And he grows a little <laughs> a little bit but but then also their underlying kind of love i, I don't know that well we're gonna get to um well yeah to cheryl hines but i think she's like kind of a sleeper mvp you know because it's the kind of thankless part but i have i have a point to make about about cheryl okay but at any okay. at any rate um, also her this actress in waitress so good like she's she's fantastic oh yes yes um, yes yeah I, i'm blinking on her name right now but she's wonderful um wait wait, yeah who oh sorry cheryl the actress who plays cheryl is in the movie waitress oh she's in waitress oh yeah yeah Yeah, and she's great so it it was and i've only known her from like little roles like that yeah then i watched this and was like wow she's got such range like no she's awesome love um and then the last point or what another thing i wrote i have here is uh, this Mm -hmm. was in that that his that larry david's this again like I think that why this show is like important or meaningful to Jewish Americans is that mm-hmm. it serves as a, this is from an article by David Gilota, if I'm saying that right. But mm-hmm. basically it's that his persona serves as a contemporary manifestation of the schleimil. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's a Yiddish word, which is mm-hmm. a term from Yiddish culture, which basically is, um, you know, an inept or incompetent person or a fool. I guess it's an archetype from Jewish humor. Um, and, you know, uh, although it says, although David keeps the essential aspects of the of this kind of um, archetype intact, he adapts them to a 21st century America. Um, and this persona reflects the uniqueness that many Jewish people feel about their place in multicultural America, which I think is kind of interesting and mm-hmm. kind of provides a deeper look at, you know, why this is like a uniquely a show with like a Jewish sensibility kind of, you know? Totally. It's definitely like a lot of the jokes in a lot of episodes, a lot of the plot will come back to it. It's, yeah, it's a really prevalent uh, theme throughout the show. Yeah, Um, definitely. 
Say it with me now, Matthew. Okay, three, I... two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, okay, yeah, I'll say what I know what you're going to do. Okay, ready? You know what I'm going to say. Okay. I love, love Susie. I fucking love Susie. Yeah. I can't get enough of her. So wow. there was some, okay, there was some like Rolling Stone. I kept coming across in the research. There was some like Rolling Stone article that was like, it was like the top X number of, um, the top X some number TV show characters ever. And um, there are two characters from Curb that made it onto the list. Susie and interestingly, Cheryl David. Cheryl Hines. Whoa, that is very interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I have a point about Cheryl that we'll get to. But for okay, Susie, yeah. I mean, for Susie, Susie, you get it. She, I, it, she... I yeah. could listen to her call Larry an asshole all day. I think it is the funniest thing. Like her voice, like the inflection she has when she says asshole, it is so good. We need to roll a clip of it on the roll clip. Is it? Yeah, roll. Um, I want a capsule episode on Susie. I want to just spend a day with her. Like, oh my I god, wanna, that. Like, by the way, that's a does. that is an exceptional idea. And if they they should hire you to do it oh my god because i would be honored it's the perfect application she's a beloved character iconic character from the show and you've you've run down this great point about her costuming which took a you know it got amped up in the in the reboot <laughs> i every outfit she wears i just i can't and it's so good because they don't really acknowledge it like once in a while larry will make a joke which i put here about the the one where she's wearing a top hat and Larry just launches into an Abraham Lincoln impression. I It sends me. I like, I can't. It's so, so funny. But most of the time they don't acknowledge what she's wearing. And it, I love it. Like I was watching something earlier with like a massive gold, almost like WWE type belt. And she she just pulls it off and she's like, hey, Lair. She- <laughs> I love that. Lair. 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 She goes, yeah, wait, and that actually brings up this point where she goes, um, it was in the episode where he's dying uh, from the kidney thing where he actually dies. And so she, the, all the oh, people yeah. are surrounded his bed and then mm-hmm. they're all like, Cheryl comes up and Jeff and whatever. And then she goes, la. And then he goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, and she like doesn't come up. <laughs> but yeah, she's just, I mean, she, she is kind of the you 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 have foils to Larry or like his his mm-hmm. his worthy opponents, I should say, yep. throughout the show. But she's the one that I think is the most entertaining to watch because mm-hmm. she gets the most worked up by she by does. the shit that he pulls. And, she gets and riled up. She gets yeah. riled up, and she's ready to <laughs> beat the shit out of him. And it, it's so funny. It, ma- it makes the moments when they actually do partner up together all the sweeter. Like it's so funny when they're actually like in cahoots like you're like oh, or not cahoots that's the wrong word but you know what I mean like yeah I think in the later seasons of the politics agenda when she figures out what Larry's doing and it could work in her favor you're like yes it's gonna be so sweet to see this partnership play out otherwise they are mortal enemies and I love it <laughs> that is such a valuable such an amazing point and a great way about how again I think the show is able to smartly adapt on the mm-hmm. format and help mm-hmm. it from being sort of stale because that's a really great point it's like okay we've established this like super this fan favorite character yeah and their normal thing is like a tom and jerry but what if you know what if in fact no um that that's really smart um thank you 
Um, I, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Wait, there was another thing about Susie. I can't remember oh, yeah. what it was. Oh, wait, I think I read in some article, it was about the, because a lot of the like trade publications have picked up her costuming choices. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she said she Super never hilarious. had, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> she said, well, I thought it was interesting. She said she never had a conversation with Larry David ever about her character. That she was, they never sat down and were like, who is this what? person? What was her vote? Like, it, it was, it was just like, she went with it. And I think the conversation, I think the idea for the, the clothing was her idea that it was a private conversation between her and the costume person. And she just was like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And in a way it kind of adds to it because it's like the surprise that it, like you're not acknowledging what she's wearing. It's kind of similar yeah. to how it actually yeah. is, which is that she just shows up on set with this ridiculous getup. And Larry David needs to do this thing. You know? That is so cool to know. What a great fun fact. Like, it's funny because I'm also watching Sex and the City because I'm always watching Sex and the City. But oh, yeah, it's just like always in the background. But the documentary about just like that, um, especially where you we learn about Sarah Jessica Parker, how much she cares about the wardrobe and the costuming. And she's such a um, important like sign off in what Carrie wears it's made me look at the costuming in a lot of shows and thinking about like what is really like important to the characters, what seems to resonate. And then to hear that this actress is like, fuck it, I'm going to wear whatever. And it just got better is amazing. I love and that. Yeah, so and yeah, it works. It also it works, works. Like, yeah. so well. It's so funny. Um, the only, okay, so you have a quote here from Susie. <laughs> I, the only other oh, thing I just I have love about, this, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, so the only other thing I have about Susie is, I mean, I could talk about it for a long time, but for the sake of this, um, the, the satisfaction in that this poor woman always, her husband's always cheating on her consistently. Everybody knows it's just a thing. She doesn't know. And the one episode where she does cheat on him because the guy wearing the cowboy hat was like, I remember being like, yes, Susie. Like, I don't condone cheating, but like, you go, girl. Like, your husband slept with everybody. <laughs> you fat fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some, I don't know that it's like, I, I definitely hear you, even though, even though she doesn't actually exact her revenge, so to speak, in that way until later. It, it, yeah. she still always to me reads as like coming out on top even though he's like sleeping around i'm kind of always like yeah but she runs the show she you know? she's the alpha and then <laughs> she's the alpha and like he he you know and she she makes it very known too but i just love this line pretty early yeah. on where she goes it's just like the perfect encapsulation of their relationship he goes he goes like look who you're talking larry says like look who you're talking to and she goes i'm talking to larry david <laughs> it's like he would like he comes at her being like like do you like yeah and then she's it's just very literal like well i'm talking to larry d it's just like perfect and you know loves her it's incredible now interesting to move on to cheryl Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the point that i want to make is well actually do you want to start with this bit oh or what we'll we'll hear first yeah i mean i was just like brain dumping the other day and i just yeah. i kind of said it before but i was just like cheryl's a saint i don't know how she stayed stayed married to him for this long it really astonishes me but it is very sweet when they have moments of getting along like he really does make her laugh which is just like so heartening to see 
Um, and again, if I do get hired as a writer, I, I want more flashbacks. Like, yeah, like I want to see more early on. I want to see how they met, how he proposed. Like, I loved the flashback to when they discussed the vow renewal and that he would get a hall pass. I wanted more of that because I thought that was really interesting. And I feel like there's all of this like alluding to times in their early marriage, like right after the Seinfeld success and everything. And I, I just want to see it. I think it'd be really interesting. So, you know, um, that. Yeah. Again, you've made an incredible point. You should be hired as a writer because that's another endorsement. This is your endorsement. Another great device that they that they could stand that a, a way that they have and could stand to continue to refresh the show. Like it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, as a viewer, when you like, you know, you, there's this world that you're invested in these characters, and then they like pull a flashback and ex- and broaden the universe. You're just like, this is catnip for me, you know. Like, I exactly. love exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to have a window into their past. I want to see what we've been like hearing about for a while, and it makes a really, like you said, it brings a fresh perspective, a fresh energy to the show. Which after okay. eleven seasons, not their fault, but they're gonna run into that. They're like, gonna, they're gonna need, need it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're gonna need it exactly. Yeah. What I think about Cheryl is the reason why I think that she's that she not only the actor is so brilliant, but why like mm-hmm. she is an important part of the show is that she kind of models like our own relationship to Larry or like what the full 360 of our relationship to Larry is in that, you know, like you astutely pointed out, there are like from very tender moments where they, you know, they flirt with one another. They share a laugh. Um, it all kind of almost feels like she always is speaking to him with like a perpetual smile. Like it's like, yeah. I don't know if that's the improv or what, but like it's almost like she's always going to break break out in laughter at him. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that element of it. Um, but she I also does not. that. Yeah, but she does. She no, does not hesitate to jump in at railing on him, um, yep. which is the other side of the coin, you know, and she really... Like Cheryl Hines really gets the assignment on that front because like she she encapsulates that switch perfectly. And sometimes she has to do it in the same scene. Like I think there's a moment where where what is you right here? This is so good. It's the one, okay, it's the episode. I think it's Meet the Blacks. Um, where and the beginning a part of that episode is where they are supposed to go over to um they they say that they they thought the dinner party was on Friday when they exactly. it was on Thursday or something and that's their excuse but like they it like backfires and now they have to come inside and hang out with the Funkhausers because they have nothing to the do. Yes, exactly. I love that so much. But it's the perfect <laughs> for me. It's the perfect showcase of Cheryl because they have this kind of as a husband and wife, they have this kind of plan, right? And it's a moment for them to flirt together and for her yeah. to model her affection for. Larry and that's something we're supposed to feel because he's you know he's a you know he's he is exasperating but he's also cute um and, and then but then a quote he's exasperating, he's exasperating but, but there is cute. no there is something cute about him you know <laughs> no but sure. then but so but she's able to switch between like being a soft-spoken to like she goes like I just think there's something about the way that she yells that I find particularly <laughs> incredible because because it's almost like there's almost a deadpan way to to how she yells and delivers the lines, but but it's like they they're at the Funkhausers and the doorbell rings again and surprise surprise it's Jeff and Susie, but she goes, <laughs> but the doorbell rings and then Cheryl goes, well now we're really the audience is gonna be crazy. She goes, now we're really gonna be intruding or something like that, and it's just like she <laughs> I can bring, hear it. Yes, 
it's just like it's iconic or then again she goes um there's another moment it's the one where the tv remote isn't working and she goes i, I think i wrote down some else here but she she's like larry we need one remote <laughs> um but anyway. It's almost like he's a toddler and she has to like yell these things that like you wouldn't think you'd be yelling at anybody, but your husband's put you in this situation. And like when he eats the um, nativity scene made out of oh cookies and yeah. she's like, you ate the baby Jesus. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing is, I think the other thing is they're kind of making commentary about, I feel like it's a bit of a commentary about marriage too. Spoken from someone who's not married, but like still, mm -hmm. you know, the show sets up this idea that ple that pleasantries and basic, like you know, basic kind of social, societal norms are yeah. huge inconveniences for Larry. But Cheryl is kind of throughout the show always kind of putting him up for them. So like, I think there's one I can't remember the episode because there are like literally there are so many, so many. But they're at dinner and so they're at dinner with friends and someone's like hey, can you write me a letter of rec for this thing? And Larry's like on the fence about it. And Cheryl's just sitting there and she goes, I think, uh, yeah, I think you can handle that. Yeah. And like she says it with a <laughs> smile and a wink, wink. So you're not really sure if she's in, if she is literally just like, yeah, that's not a big deal. Or she's antagonizing Larry. <laughs> so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just think that, yeah, I think she's kind of the MVP of the show in some ways. She really is. Um, and you, to your point about marriage, I really love the way they set up and it was going to become a really big arc in the show, transcending just a season. But when the divorce happens, and I love that it's the TiVo incident that kicks it off because it's like, it's not about the TiVo incident. It's about how many things have accumulated at this point that Larry's let down Cheryl on and now she's going to like officially leave him. But it felt like such a believable thing in that it's like he doesn't get what the big deal is. She's like, my plane might have gone down. He's like, where's the TiVo like password? And then that's the incident that they have to keep telling the story, you know, and then the friend group breaks apart to try to mm -hmm. like decide whose team they're on. And it just felt like as funny as it is, like also very serious. And it's like, this is a marriage like coming apart. And it like you can point fingers mostly at Larry for that one. Like, oh, you know, yeah. like to to totally. Yeah. yeah. Um moving on hey oh you Larry oh, this is also a great Jeff. point yeah <laughs> the, and this, I, this yeah. might even be the step beyond Cheryl and Cheryl and Larry yeah or uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Between, oh, yeah. Th those relationships which are also Larry Larry and Susie Larry and Cheryl this one is like the the most tender I think it's like in some ways you could view Curb as like a friend in some ways like a friendship like a story. romance it's like a romance you They're know, calling each other all the time. It's cute as hell. It's so cute. Like manager to client, friend to friend, like they always have each other's backs. They believe in each other so much. They will always cover for each other. Larry will always cover for Jeff and Jeff will always rationalize what Larry's doing. And it's like very endearing how much they care about each other. And and it is funny because it's like two sinking ships are like two sky high you know like they're either like both heavily in the wrong most of the mm -hmm. time or it's like you know it's not a terrible idea and Jeff's there to like back up his client like he thinks it could work out like it's very sweet um and they talk about things pretty openly that sometimes I think men you know like there's these stereotypes about you know not wanting to talk about feelings or being open about you know their romantic relationships and stuff but they really do talk about it with each other and it's 
very cute. <laughs> that is so true. And actually is a perfect, that is such a good point. You brought up about that, about them kind of, in some ways it's a little bit, because they're both sort of, untra not want to say untraditional, but they're not like, they're not ma particularly macho men. Um, no. <laughs> what but, is this he called, Jeff? You found fuck. You found fuck. Um, but but they also they definitely do they they, yeah they definitely show you a type of like, you know, uh, male male friendship that is not maybe not something that we don't see that often. Um, yeah. but I completely yeah. agree. I I think it's like one of the show's pillars, like uh, what it makes it the most successful. Um. And like, it's just great because, oh, well, actually to the point that you just made, um, there's a scene where I forget what, again, I forget the season, but basically Jeff is like, you can't tell if it's like, if Jeff is serious or if he's joking, but he makes this kind of like deadpan comment that he's like, Larry, I need to talk to you about something. And then he's like, what? And then he like crosses the room. <laughs> he, he gets up from his desk, so he goes over to the couch, sits down next to Larry in like a very, you know, kind of heavy way. And then mm -hmm. goes... Um, he goes, you didn't compliment me on my car. And okay. then you can't tell, like, I was having a really hard time telling. <gasps> I was like, these two love each other. They're joking on each other all the time. Like, I feel like he must be joking and he's just playing an act. But then Larry kind of decodes it and he goes, he goes, you walked all the way over from your desk to tell me that. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Like, that's how well they know each other. Like, he can, like, point that out and... Right. Yeah. So they're able to both like model a type of be. I, I think I've said model a couple of times, but I, they've been, the, the show is able to both, and their relationship is both able to like show a certain type of behavior, but also, mm -hmm. but also break it down to its parts, you know, and talk yeah. about why it's so silly in a way. But I just like the, the encapsulation of their relationship is, and this is a real line. Well, Larry <laughs> will say something like, have you ever heard something so nutty? And then Jeff will go, never. <laughs> <laughs> He just gas. It just spreads. They gas each other up. Yeah. Yes, it's so exactly. funny, and it's, it's like so sweet. It really yeah. is. It's it's funny too because like being out here in Hollywood, um, I'm yes. just learning more about like manager and agents and like that culture. And it's like you, they really should be someone who's so in your corner, believes in you no matter what you do. And it's like so sweet to think like not only do they work together so successfully after everything with Seinfeld, but he just like, like Jeff just loves Larry, you know, mm -hmm. like he's the first guy to call for golf. He's the first, like he just always wants him there without a question. Like they're always at each other's dinner parties. Like, it's just so sweet to think like this bond has gone through more than just like work. It's now just like in, in love. Like when Susie yeah. gets married and he's and Larry and there's a chance Larry might not make the wedding and he's like, I have to be there. Like Susie's basically like Larry's like niece, essentially, you know, like their families are heavily intertwined. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's really lovely. Um definitely. Okay. Um season arcs. Season arcs. Yeah. I don't know if this is exactly in order. I might have botched it, but I think my favorite season arcs were the Seinfeld reboot, the <laughs> producers musical and the new york season i just thought yep. they all carried really well for me i thought they were all like very like fulfilling endings like i felt mm -hmm. very satisfied by each wrap-up and just had some of the funniest episodes to me totally agree and it goes back to a point we brought up earlier which is it it's these kinds of arcs that are not only what the show is 
known for and iconic for yeah. it, so influential for it, but it's the thing that helps it kind of shake up the format. Um, mm-hmm. And they do that in so, in big ways and small ways. Like I think another good example is is season four. It, it the wrapper of it is kind of like is Larry going to change his ways? You know, he start mm-hmm. like um, mm-hmm. he starts by having this near death near death experience, and then he ends actually dying. So like the whole for the, the show, like the yeah, like the platform of the show of this uh, season rather is like mm-hmm. near death experiences. Death experiences, like how does that change the way that you move throughout the world? That's like a much smaller example, but the show, like the seasons, are able to have themes or actual stunts, and that's like a yep. really um, important way of keeping it fresh for sure. Totally, because I feel like. Especially I, I was rewatching actually that movie Clear History recently and now knowing Curb, I feel like Larry David just like has like a notebook of all little nuances and things that bother him, like utensils just on the table, like, you know, like things that like just piss him off and he's got to make a joke about it. But I, I feel like he has this book of one liners and then it's like, how do we get like a plot to like carry this through and make mm-hmm. them all have a payoff like the heimlich maneuver is like a thing for larry and then it chokes and needed him but it worked because he was in new york and that guy wanted to get lunch like you know there's like a bigger payoff to each of these things which the art can really help with yes that's such a good point that's such a good point yeah totally totally um yeah we're just so smart (laughs) we're so smart There's a bunch of other things here we did talk about. We talked about the, these cameos here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just made this I point like, about like, yeah. yeah, the physical, some of the physical comedy in the show is just really great. And mm-hmm. like, it's when Larry actually gets physical with people usually. Um, or I was thinking about one of my, one of my favorite all time, one of my favorite, we'll get to cameos, but one of my favorites mm-hmm. is Rosie O'Donnell. And she does a great oh. job at doing this, which is that she will like get, she will physically sometimes want to fight him. And like, it just, <laughs> it's so funny. It's Do you so remember funny. the one where he went out with the woman who was in the wheelchair and then he was trying? The bisexual. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like the, the montage of him, like figuring out how to like kiss her. I was like, I remember like laughing out loud and it is just like, it, it's like physical comedy. We're getting, you know, like Charlie Chaplin-esque here. Like exactly. Just, Chasing the girl down the doctor's office hallway <laughs> where they're literally throwing each other. Like, yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. very, very the, good. The girl who um, ends up playing the role in the young Larry, who's like oh, such yeah. an awful actress. Oh, that's it's so the way She like side tackles Cheryl and they like love it. So funny. So, um, so, okay. So this was interesting. I forget who I was talking to, but I was, I was telling them about the podcast and my thoughts on curb and they meant, they referred to it as old curb versus new curb. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because there is kind of a, a tonal shift in how some people do prefer the old early seasons of curb versus the later ones. And I wanted to hear your take on that. Um, yeah, it's a good question it's it's interesting i mean you can't you can only help but consider because like you said there's a gap there's a season h season nine gap and then the reboot Mm -hmm. gap the 2017 Mm -hmm. to 20 to 2020 and on for the Mm -hmm. last two seasons Mm -hmm. i i mean to me the the older bits feel more classic um Mm -hmm. and 
just kind of have that like old that that kind of like turn of the uh, turn of the century hbo kind of gritty quality to them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that that's just and then the newer ones feel a little bit more like i don't want to say sanitized because yeah commercial yeah commercial. yeah i agree with that yeah yeah it's funny because when i was going through my top 10 people i did find myself gravitating more towards the later seasons but I do agree with you that the early seasons did have this grittier feel to them and a little bit like unexpected versus I feel like later on with these more commercial type episodes, I was a little bit more able to predict where certain things were going. Exactly. Commercial is a really good way of putting it. And even it looks, it looks shiny. It looks glossier. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah. Just, just like I, time. Yeah. Yeah. That's also just time. Definitely. But even just the formats, I don't know. But, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think that, like, do I, am I like super excited that it's still around? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a beloved show, but it also does. Yeah. I, it does raise this question of like, when is it, when is enough enough? And like, when, yeah. like, are, why are we, why are we rebooting? You know, are, are we rebooting yeah. because it's like, this is the nostalgia factor. I mean, between 2017 and 2020, not much time passed, but like, mm -hmm. I do mm -hmm. kind of wonder like, okay should this still be on the air or should we do new things you know that's the thing exactly like the pete davidson show can breathe new life into this concept yeah and you know but i agree i feel like and with most comedies you know eventually you run out of gas like i think broad city ended when it needed to end i think the office totally. passed its mark like there's certain shows where you're like oh you gotta cut this off you got it i don't know yeah yeah there are also certain Larry-isms, a couple that I just wanted to point out quickly. Oh, please. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and one is that I, they do this thing that they, do, that they also do in Seinfeld. I remember they did this a bunch in Seinfeld where mm -hmm. they, there are some characters that you never see their face. I think one is, <laughs> yeah. so I think George's boss in Seinfeld. That, yes. Um, they never show his face. I think he, mm -hmm. Elaine might have some kind of boss or someone where you know, never see their face. But they mm -hmm. do that here too. They'll shoot around certain things for dramatic effect or just as like a running gag. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, one is, and again, this is one of my, actually, I don't want to say this one yet because we'll get to it. But another one, okay. a good one is um, Deborah is uh, who. Um, oh, the brownie. Yeah, the brownie. The, the, <laughs> right, the Benadryl brownie. That when she gets... <laughs> when she her face when she has the horrible allergic reaction they don't actually mm -hmm. show it and part of it's like well maybe they didn't have the budget but more likely it's like a, for comedic but it's effect, still so funny exactly it's very just, funny. like all the horror on everybody else's face watching yeah it. and I, yeah. I also yeah. just love this thing that he does where he'll co-opt the language and ethos of the people he hates for his own personal <laughs> gain gain so like in that same episode her mom deborah's mom is like He's like, I'm so sorry that we gave her food that had peanuts in it. And she goes, it's really okay. Like, we're all responsible for our own lives. And then there's a beat and he thinks about what she's just said. And he goes, I think there's some truth to that. Like, that he, that she has this, like, a very radical perspective. And it actually works his favor because he can get out of it. And he's like, you know, I think you're right. It's yeah, just great. I agree with that. Yeah. 
Exactly. Very good. Um, okay. I also the, love your oh, go ahead, about yeah. him screwing up tips and money. Like I think the bit where he was so frustrated not knowing how much Jason Alexander was tipping was so funny. Like I just like to it to me that yeah point for him. <laughs> Completely. It's so funny. It's 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 probably there's probably a gag on it maybe in every season. Like some yeah. moment where he's like either owes someone money and doesn't have he never has cash. Like this is. And by the way, like, I can, I think I can mm-hmm. say this because I'm Jewish also, like, this is like a hallmark of what it means to be a Jew. And that is maybe why there's the stereotype about Jews and money. But like, so many people that I know, like, it just is a constant, like, mm. like, m- money, things with money, like, um, how much are we tipping? Like, where's the money coming from? Like, just like, <laughs> money as like a thing to be like, obsessed, obsessed about. <laughs> It just feels so true. And it's so funny because it's such a big part of his character. It is. And I think I saw a tweet somewhere where someone was like, it Curb does such a great job of making Larry Larry David look like he doesn't have the actual amount of money he really does in real life. Like, it's so true when I saw that. I was like, that's so right. Like when they're looking to buy a new house and he's like, well, you know, I don't know. And Cheryl like loves this lavish house they're looking at. I just pause it and I was like, Larry David probably has so much money. And that's again, like the classic Jewish, the classic thing. It's like this, it's like you don't, you can't let go, like you, like you can't let go of it, even though you could stand to lose a lot of it. Right. Well, when Larry's trying to get Cheryl back and is like doing everything nicer now, like Larry or no, oh my God, his friend. Um, asks him to donate like 200 bucks for a charity thing and Larry says sure okay like in front of Cheryl and she's like wow and he's like it's only 200 bucks and she goes yeah but like the old you probably wouldn't have done that and it's so true like he could be so stingy very stingy so much money yeah so funny (laughs) also I just have to say this is very this point is like completely pointless but I just love it because I'm obsessed with Shirley Bassey where he goes, oh it's in the, it's with the finger where he hurts his finger and he's okay. like talking to someone. He's like, bad finger, like gold finger. And he's like, Shirley Bassey. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because I love, I love it. Okay. Should we talk about our cameos? Because yeah. Yeah. Tessa credit where credit is due you have this fabulous idea of like this being a little section of the show because cameos are such a huge part of the show and its whole sensibility Mm -hmm. we decided to walk through some of our fave cameos and there's some overlap here which is good there is some overlap perhaps matthew what we could do is each just first read our top 10 and then we can go back through and do some explaining um like so i'll list mine first and mine were in chronological order honestly because i couldn't rank them because i think they're all so funny that i was just like this is easier yeah Yeah. so number one is ted danson number two is ben stiller number three is steve coogan number four is Catherine o'hara number five is amy lundecker number six is michael j fox seven is brian cranston eight is lauren graham Nine is Lynn Manuel Miranda, and ten is Abby Jacobson. Very good, good list. Yeah, thank you. Some crossover. Over to you. There is so number, crossover. Some crossover. Number one, I said Ted Danson and Mary. I don't know how to say. Is it Steenburgen? Steenburgen. Yeah. 
Ted, Ted and Mary as a couple, because they, you know, um, Diane Keaton, who actually we never see, but that's part of it. <laughs> Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Shaq, Wanda Sykes, David Schwimmer, the whole New York theater community, <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, Michael J. Fox, and Rosie O'Donnell. I think these are both fantastic. Yeah, I think we get at the heart. Great taste. Totally. Yeah. And it gets, (laughs) I think it gets at why, why these work. Exactly. Exactly. Um, If you want, we can go like back and forth on it. Yeah, let's go back Um, and forth. Clearly we planned this so well. Um, Okay. So Ted Danson, and I love that. Like I'm going to copy that you did Mary too. Um, For my examples, I, I only did talk about Ted, but I love, like he is, funny consistently throughout like he's such a great actor and every episode he's in is just so solid i love his arc i love that he goes from mary to cheryl it is hilarious and especially knowing what a solid couple he and mary are in real life makes it all the funnier um i love that they kind of foreshadowed it a little bit because he was always kind of like flirting with cheryl and larry always had a crush on mary like the one where he went shopping with her and it was just kind of funny how it was a little bit in the back. Like, I did wonder at one point, like, would Cheryl be with Ted ever? Because, like, Oof. I see some some chemistry there. Um, and then true to himself in real life, like, Ted Danson, like, always gets cast in things or is beloved by everybody. And it drives Larry insane. Like, I saw a quote somewhere that said that Ted is always upstaging Larry. And that feels very true to life where, like, everybody loves Ted Danson. No one has a problem with him. In this world, it just drives Larry up a wall. Um, and some examples of that are when, like, they make donations to the um, museum and and Ted goes with the anonymous donor and Larry has his name on the wall. And it's just, like, the two of them standing next to each other. Um, the one where they're fighting over Chet's shirt with the dead guy's bowling shirt and like Ted, you know, now decides he wants the shirt. It's just such a great oh, rivalry. Yeah, the sandwich. Yeah. I love it's, that. It's always funny. Every time Ted popped up in an episode, I was always excited. I was like, this is gonna be really good. Agreed. Um, and that was a yeah. That uh, that's also one of mine as well. Set basically mm-hmm. everything you said, I agree. Um yeah, he's Ted is like the foil that is like maybe the first the first person that we see that like model that sets up this um i keep wanting to say model 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 i guess it's my because word of the day we're models we're models, we're models. for hbo <laughs> <laughs> but he set, but he sets up like a fo- the the larry foil or like the larry yeah. you know um he play he just plays it so well and then you know i don't know they're they're an iconic hollywood couples and they kind of mm-hmm. are go-to for like seeing you know, a real entity ex- you know, show up in the show in kind of a fictionalized way. So I, I exactly. Oh my gosh! And then when Larry wants to ask out Mary as retaliation, when when Ted is like officially with Cheryl, right? Yeah, he's like, yes. "Oh, you think she'd say yes?" And he like laughs in his face. It's so funny. And Larry's like, "Yeah, she would." And then calls her, and she's like, "No." <laughs> I also think there's something also about like, I'm going to make like a purely aesthetic point right now, but there's something about like, there aren't a lot of like, um, a lot of the people in Larry's like immediate crowd just like have idiosyncratic kind of looks to them too. Mm. No one is like a model exactly. Like, I mean, Larry, obviously Larry and Jeff have this like very, as like a duo, you know, as like a buddy group, they've got like, one is like, you know, sort of 
thin, tall, and bald, and the other is like short and stout, or not short, but like <laughs> just much bigger. Yeah, and then yeah. um, and like, and there's something about Ted Danson's face, like he just has a massive long and the chin. And even Cheryl, like all the characters just kind of look like cartoons in a way. Totally. I just, I just love a good that point. from a casting. Susie too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Susie, definitely Susie. And um, I keep, I always forget his name, but um, Lewis, uh, Richard Lewis too. Oh my God. I know we haven't talked about Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis is uh, fabulous. Well, he's, he's going to show up. Yeah, I, I have a thing to say about him later. Okay, perfect. But, I'm glad that we, we get him. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll go. I'll share my number two next, which was Ben Stiller um ben and larry getting to star in their producers together really cracked me up i rewatched the episode for ben's birthday and when larry uses a skewer on a kebab at the party and is like so like where do i put this where do i throw this out what am i supposed to do with this all night and then ends up stabbing him in the eye when he like mimics a golf swing <laughs> and then ben has an eye patch for the rest of the episode and is more upset about Larry not singing happy birthday to him than the eye patch. It's just like a like classic. I feel like that is a very like curb episode where it's like all these little things have a payoff. They're all ridiculous. And Larry ends up gifting Ben one of Susie's like handmade bedazzled sweaters that she's been selling because Ben said he liked it. Like it's again so funny. And I I love Ben Stiller. I love him as an actor. I love him as a director. I think he's so intelligent and great. And I loved seeing him play this version of himself that is just like this very like sensitive, like unsure kind of guy. And he was so good in it. it yeah, I thought he was great. Totally. Love that. Love that one. Woo. Um, I have Diane, Diane Keaton. And the, what's funny about this is that you never actually see Diane Keaton. I do believe they use her voice. They must have gotten her voice. Yes. Yes. I remember um, hearing that voicemail and was like, Diane? Yeah. And then at, I think at the very end, but yeah, you, you literally never see her, but that's like what's so funny about the gag too. Um, mm hmm I just, I don't know, like, and it's so early on too. It's like, he's trying to court her to be in a show and she like pisses him off. And it's like one voice message. He pisses her off, I think, because he's late. He's late. And he doesn't show up. And she, and she yeah. calls, it's just great because like, she's Hollywood royalty. She's like, oh you know, one of the God. greats. Yeah. Um, and I just thought it was another smart, like way of using the cameos, you know, and also pretty early on too. Totally. I remember being infuriated at Larry and I was like, it's Diane Key and you need to get there like three hours early. Like she's very important. So um, good. So good. Okay. Next I have Steve Coogan, who is in the episode called The Therapist in season six, episode nine. And he plays Dr. Bright, LOL. And he gives Larry the brilliant advice of giving Cheryl an ultimatum to get back together with him. And He's so funny as a therapist. He's so genuinely wrong and mistaken. And it's funny because everybody gives him shit for that idea. Like he goes back to Larry's house and that's when the blacks are living with him. And they, they're like, you're the ultimatum guy? Or what? And he, she's like, Dr. Ultimatum? Like, <laughs> so funny. Um, and then he ends up like mugging Cheryl's therapist and winds up in jail. And I just thought it was such a hilarious arc for just like one episode. and. It really stood out to me. Um, very funny. Love that. Love. 
Um, my nine number three is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And I, I broke her out specifically from the rest of the Seinfeld crew because they all obviously mm-hmm. come back for that storyline. But yeah, she shows up first, I think, in season one, I feel like. And maybe a few yeah. times throughout. But The Wire um, episode. <laughs> yeah, the Wire episode. Right, exactly. But I just th- I think it works because she, um, you know, obviously, elate, like, there are some similarities. Well, I don't know. Since she embraces the ed, the edge, um, mm-hmm. the edge to the real life version of her really well, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's a nice. I just think she does a really good job of showing the subtle differences between like real Julia Louis Dreyfus, Elaine, like Julia J L D as Elaine, and like all the different ways that like actors, really talented actors, can be really talented actors without being like transformative. You know. Yes. Um, yes. And in some wow. ways, like great her character. Yeah, like because you know, it's not like it's not like she's known for like being Meryl Streep and donning a wig and doing all this stuff. Because Selena Meyer, I, I think that the JLD on Curb is like a good precursor to Selena. Is that the right? That's the, the Sir, Sel, Selena Meyer is the Selena Meyer, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, on Veep, another HBO show. Um, should be on this list. We'll talk should about be. that. But she's just great. She's just she's just great. I love the point you made here about her having an edge because I think that's the perfect way to describe her compared to a lot of these celebrity cameos where they're more just like an asshole version of themselves or more like egocentric or like problematic. Like she really doesn't feel like she's just like a little bit more curt. I think yeah, curt like she harder in um, normal life, right? Yeah, like I think in in that episode, the Wire episode, she's like she's like. um I have a hard out. Like I, I need to, I need yeah. to pick up my kid from school. And there's something. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. it's a very quotidian, um, thing to say. It's not very interesting. It's just like mm-hmm. a downer. And it's so great because it's like, this is JLD, famous actor, like America's sweetheart type of character, and she's just like, I can't. I have to go do some mundane task. And it like perfectly sets. It's just this great, you know. Yes. Yes. Um. Okay. My next one, we both have on here. Um, oh, yes. So if you want to jump in. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, this, <laughs> Catherine O'Hara as Funkhauser's crazy sister. Now, this episode, like, this feels like the old curve that probably yeah. you, that they might need to pivot away from. Because this one felt like the most, I mean, literally the premise is that they, <laughs> is that she has some sort of, like, mental illness and she was institutionalized. And then they basically gaslight her and tell everyone that she's like oh like she actually has sex with jeff but then yeah. they all deny it at the party yeah. um but i think what's so i, I mean she obviously is Catherine o'hara she's incredible she's so um good. she's just like comedic tornado but the i think one of the best <laughs> one of the best and funniest little details about the performance is that I'm pretty sure she tries to mo- like model her voice after Funkhauser's because Funkhauser yes. has that cr- that crickety crackly voice. And when you first she meet does her, a deep she voice. Does- she does a deep voice, and it was so funny watching it, especially after her playing. Or this was before Moira, but watching this for the first time after having seen all of Shit's Creek, I'm just like her voice is always such an important part of Shit's Creek, and then to see her like messing around with this in just a one-off episode is so brilliant. It's like, yeah, this is Catherine O'Hara, man. Like she commits to whatever yeah. she's doing, just like madcap, crazy, 
well, yeah. not, I mean, uh, not as a derogatory term, but I w- just like madcap brilliance. And she just, yeah. she brings it to a new level for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Do you want to do yours next? Oh, sure. Wait. Um, oh, Shaq, Shaquille, <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. Um, I did, I love it because it, this is like a mic, this is like a one episode kind of arc in a way, mm-hmm. like stunt because he goes, I mean, for him to have this get for Larry to have this big gaffe at um at the Lakers that has huge implications across the entire con- city of LA and entire country is like a mm-hmm. great example of like a stunt that they pull in the show that kind of makes it a little bit you know it just jacks up the entertainment up. value yeah yeah um, totally but Sha- Shaquille O'Neal is great in this like he's really really funny and it's interesting because the what they say about Shaq the character in the show is that he's a big mm-hmm. fan of Seinfeld. Um, and that's, that's Larry's peace offering. He brings him all the tapes while he's bedridden. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's interesting because you actually wonder, and I don't know, I would have to look it up. Like you're kind of like, I feel like Shaq must be a fan of Seinfeld in real life because he nails the sensibility of of this show. He nails the mm-hmm. ethos and the comedy and the, and that he, he just, he just fits perfectly so seamlessly in. Um, and it makes you realize like why he had a crossover kind of career into commercial and film and stuff, because um, he can I just think he, he could totally yeah. hold his own. Um, he was just great, just to, just really great. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because they like they kind of become buds at the end a little bit. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's cute. It's just really cute. And and actually, Larry is able to, with the help of Shaq, exact revenge on the doctor who wouldn't look at the like oh, more yeah. or whatever <laughs> and then Shaq fires him um it's just great and for obviously someone as iconic as him to like a- a- iconic as him who's like an athlete first to like show up and just show up in such a great way a global superstar yeah so successful really cool. and like mm-hmm. and just like gets it and you're like oh yeah he must really love Seinfeld in real life or yeah. in real life because he knows how to do this you know and that is a funny thing throughout the show, too, is how many people unexpectedly, like, love Seinfeld. And not even unexpectedly because it is such a great show, but it is funny how many people are like, oh, my God, you did Seinfeld, right? Like, and then they want something for from him or will do something for him. Totally. Um, it's a fun world to be in. Um, okay, my number five was Amy Lendecker, who plays the bisexual in the bisexual episode, which you also flagged before. And I love this episode so much and i also this did make me think about putting rosie o'donnell on my list and i hesitated i think i was just like oh i gotta pick one and i'm so glad that you did pick her because i think she's also great in this but i loved the way amy played this role and like her flirtiness between both larry and rosie and their like utter confusion on like what's the move here and how disappointed she is when she finds out larry's been juiced thing like such a great payoff so funny i i love that episode and this is again part of the new york season which i just thought was extremely strong and got so many laughs um, totally for me totally. personally yeah that's a great that is a great one. episode yeah it's like a definitely a standout so my next my next one was wanda sykes um oh, who she's a bit so like good. she's a bit like Susie too <laughs> I, what what's interesting about she shows up all over the place she's in the show yeah. a lot mm-hmm. as like a friend mm-hmm. of i guess more a friend of cheryl's really cheryl but, yeah um yeah. she's quite she's like Susie, but actually 
she's less disgruntled by what Larry does. Like Susie's character gets really worked up and like gets red in the face, basically, and yeah. gets like legitimately pissed. Wanda Sykes is there to literally just like she shows up and just like checks and just like checks him. Like, <laughs> like it's the, like I think I wrote I wrote here that Su- the Susie versus Larry is like actually kind of a close matchup. That's like actually like a like who's gonna win? Mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. Wanda Sykes shows up, like she just she just demolishes Larry. Like the best. That's like she and tough. she has these lines. And uh-huh. you have to wonder whether the, cause she's obviously a comic. She's so she, funny. She's yeah. so funny. She goes, if you're get, it's in the um, one where he fires the black uh, guy who. Oh, it's the, the TV. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the mechanic or something. Yeah. The remote. And she goes, yeah. if you're going to be racist, be at least be a man. <laughs> <laughs> she also, it's hearing you talk about the comparison between her and Susie too, makes this come to light where like, Wanda Sykes is never surprised by what Larry does. Like she's just like she has yes. the lowest expectation of him versus Susie for some reason is always baffled or will make a comment that's like so typical Larry, like you know, versus right. Wanda has the lowest opinion of Larry and is just like, yeah, classic. Of course you fucked it up. Or like the way to like pan to her in the corner and she'll just be like shaking her head because she just knows, like she just right. she's gonna ruin well, it. Well, that's the other thing is that she's oh she she has this kind of like cat-like quality where she's like always kind of um catching him in the act you know like she's there staring versus Susie is like always like yeah you're right her like resting place is like you want to come over for dinner and then Larry has some whole big hang up about dinners and she's like she's like you're a fucking you know (laughs) but yeah um that's a great pick um okay we both had Michael J Fox because this is one of my favorite episodes of the entire show i had been told about a bit in this episode and i was so excited when i finally saw it which is the kid who i had to look him up but he's played by eddie i'm not sure how to say this last name uh schweinhardt um who is the kid who plays anna gasteyer's son and larry's dating anna gasteyer whose name is jennifer in the show and he's obsessed with fashion and he's really into the design of a swastika and oh my god oh my god the, the gay like, kid yeah this one's and I go, so like, good and i just i want one for my birthday <laughs> i love that kid yeah i think i've seen this episode now like three times because i i just thought it was so that's an funny. iconic episode for sure it's an iconic episode and it's with michael j fox who plays larry's neighbor and larry has a hard time distinguishing what's a parkinson nod versus a normal one <laughs> And it's like fucked up. Like again, you're just like some PC stuff on the show. You're like, oh, I don't know. But like Michael J. Fox seems like such a great sport and like really like rose to the occasion on this. And, you know, it's so, it's so funny. I just, I think he's hilarious in the show. Um, And also wanted to shout out that John Gleaser plays the doorman in Larry's Mm -hmm. New York building. And he played Laird on Girls and was also Councilman Jam in Parks and Rec. So like another you know, can't Great be a working actor. actor. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, I, I agree. The only other point I want to make is that I, I think it's a good example of how the cameo format really works because it allows the show to kind of be co-created in a way by other people. Like, yes, um, mm-hmm. you know, Michael J. Fox, like while it is like a kind of cringy premise, there is something that's a little bit in a way like permissible, I guess, because 
Michael J. Fox is opting in on the joke, you know, like totally versus yeah. if it was like the joke at his expense or what mm -hmm. without him, he's opting in on the joke and, and actually turning himself into like a, I don't want to say hero. I mean, he's a villain. He's a villain in Larry's world, but a hero <laughs> in other worlds, you know. Yeah, um, that's a great so, point. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a great, it's a great moment. So funny. Um, okay, so my next one was, oh, David Schwimmer. Um, <laughs> and I just thought this was a good, I read this online that like he, he had just come off of playing Ross in Friends. And then he gets to play like, it's sort of similar to the Louis J JLD of it all. Um, in that he plays like a more biting kind of antagonistic character. Um, versus being this kind of like, you know, goofy prince kind of like or guy next door. I don't, I'm not really a big friends person, but like he had this one reputation and then he comes in the show and then it's just like, you know, he, he can be a bit of an asshole, which is great. He was great. And he, it was such a great um, arc the way he was introduced because Ben Stiller quits and then they bring in David Schwimmer and like he and Larry made a really great like duo yeah. for the musical and the rest of the season. It was very fun to see yeah. him in this. So I love that. Um, love that one. Okay, my next one is Brian Cranston. And this is the second therapist I have on this list because he plays Dr. Templeton, who um sees who Larry sees and has to tell him he's like pushing boundaries by like acknowledging him in public, which I thought was like a actually interesting thing to discuss and like mm. therapy is a really big part of the show and it did make me think about like celebrities who see therapists and like what are the you know lines you shouldn't cross and, mm -hmm. and whatnot mm -hmm. um and also just like brian cranston's so good like i just like adore yeah. him and i think he's so talented and i i read um from that same new york times article that cranston described the process on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And he said that Larry definitely relies on the ability of the people he hires to come in and create characters. And there's tremendous trial and error. You do one take after take and you're trying this, you're trying that. And I thought that was really interesting. And like you're saying, like this collaboration from the people who are coming in to play it. And I thought the way Brian Cranston chose to play this therapist was very interesting, especially considering how many therapists Larry goes through. Mm. And like what he thought would annoy Larry the most. And it was his like notepad thing where he'd be like, that's interesting. That's very interesting. And Larry's like, what's interesting? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it was it was great. That's very good. Um, My next one is, oh, yeah, the New York Theater. I just said in the oh. in the episode where they do the producers, just like they've got Nathan Lane, Richard Kind is there and Bancroft and Mel Brooks, like. It's just a great. Oh, that's also Stephen Colbert shows up uh, playing a character really. More oh, yeah. Um, but I just thought that was great because I think it's like, I mean, I think it comes from a place of love, I guess, because I know Larry did like Larry's from New York. He mm -hmm. did a play on Broadway, which didn't get that great reviews. But like, it's clear that there was like some affection for that world there. And it was just I just thought it was cool to see all those people. Um, yeah. His character loves show tunes also. Like there's an episode where he sings Mr. Officer Krupke. Officer Krupke Krupke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like he's upset and he's like trying to explain it to the cop who's like, this is not funny. But yeah, he like loves musicals, which I yeah, don't think I would have picked for him. But yeah, very cute. Yeah. Um, I only have one more left because the my, my oh, yeah. two are Catherine O. We overlapped. Or it, my last two are Catherine O. Michael J. Fox. But you can do, you can, we can keep going back and forth. Okay. 
My next one was Lauren Graham. Um, and I loved her reveal as like, and she's not playing herself. She's playing a character. But it's funny because Susie's like, Lair, I have this friend who's interested in you and I don't know why, but she really wants me to set you up on a date. Like she's beautiful. She's funny. She's smart. I don't get it. And then Lauren Graham shows up and you're like, oh my God, Larry, like good for you, buddy. Um, it's very, she's a very funny character. Like she always talks about her exes like at dinner parties and always gets like laughs and stuff. And it makes Larry so uncomfortable. And I loved that. Like I thought that plot line was very funny because it's like, Larry, like you talk about everybody. Like he can't keep a secret at all. Like, and now it's like, she, you know, you're uncomfortable because you imagine what she'll do when you break up, but like, you exactly. can't like talk the talk without walking the walk. So totally. yeah, she was great. Um, Love that. Yeah. Um, uh, my last one is Rosie O'Donnell, which we talked about a bit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, she shows up a couple times, the bow tie in season five, where Larry has to mend ties with the lesbian community and then the bisexual, which is amazing. But yeah, she just, I mean, she's just such a talented, talented comic. Um, mm-hmm. And, and she just fits, she just fits right in. She's so funny. She's kind of has a Larry David kind of shtick about her as well. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that she comes in and she nails the assignment for physical comedy too. Like she just, yeah. like she's like ready to just like brawl with Larry. And it's so funny. <laughs> like, um, uh, Oh yeah, like it's in, in the bisexual episode. She's like, I'm foot in the. She's like, she's like, I'm gonna invite you on a cruise with all my friends, and I'm foot in the whole freaking bill. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, that she's was like, good on- Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> I just love her. I think she's so so funny. Um, it makes me wonder at what point in her career this was at, because she had like a pretty big public yeah. falling out, right? She and did I- it. I don't remember the circumstances of that. I don't either. I know that there was like a lot of back and forth with her and Trump. Um, Oh my God. Well, yeah. Well, that's the other thing is that she was like, there's nobody that Trump hates more than Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) And that's why like, like. So random. It was just amazing because like he, remember there was some debate where he literally brought up her name. And I was like, we haven't heard from Rosie O'Donnell since like the in early years. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's just funny that he's like so, that he hates her so much. Hates her so much. It's but so she weird. is so freaking funny. I mean, she's, she's so, so funny. funny. Oh my gosh. She was also yeah. in A League of Their Own and Harriet the Spy, which are two Forget very iconic yeah. films. Iconic. <laughs> she's great. Oh, she's great. Okay, and then my last two was Lin-Manuel Miranda, who um, I just like this episode was so funny to me, but it was the shucker, which was season nine, episode nine. And like Larry's worried that the oyster shucker at his dinner party will tell people that he fell asleep during Hamilton. And that can't happen because Larry's starting to work with Lin. But Lynn plays, I think, one of the biggest asshole versions of himself, like, and, and does it so well like because he has such a reputation for kindness and openness and like being just like a hard on his sleeve kind of guy it made me like cackle seeing him like be really territorial in the office and like not letting Larry near his chair and like not wanting to get him tickets for the show like it was just like so funny to me um and then of course the ending with the duel was just like very tongue-in-cheek but I I still really enjoyed it 
Um, and then oh, the last. Oh, yeah, this one's good too. <laughs> is Abby Jacobson. And we've talked about Broad City pretty frequently on this episode, but she plays a waiter um, in season 10, episode nine, Beep Panic. And basically, she tells Larry, Jeff, and Vince Vaughn, who's on the show for a bit as a character, uh, that she has diarrhea. Like, so sorry, I'm late with the food. I, I have diarrhea. And <laughs> just like her earnest delivery really gets me. I just adore her. The slow-mo, <laughs> the slow motion shot of a piece of sweat dropping into the soup. <laughs> is so good and then she and larry end up like really having a lot of great scenes together because he ends up like feeling bad that he got her fired and then gives her a car and then two seconds later she crashes it but he gave her the car so she gets to keep it and it just felt like abby being abby and larry being larry and just like what a great combination those two people make together it was that's a great point yeah that's a yeah good point. i love i that. loved it Wow, we really wow. did. I, I thought that was a great that was a great choice, by the way. To, I think we're to, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I I feel like our normal format works so well where we like do overall thoughts and then pick specific episodes, but there's just so many episodes. I was like, I don't know what we're gonna do. I I too think hard. There's yeah. there's just too many. So not possible. Not possible. But we made it possible. We um, made it, and we made it to our favorite ending segments of the show. show um great do you want to go first do you want me to go first i, I can go first you i go chose first. richard lewis who we <laughs> we have not talked a lot about in this um great episode but i think that i chose him because his singledom is kind of like the bane of larry's married existence at least <laughs> for the part that he's married because he's always yeah. like mm-hmm. he, he always has like hot girlfriends um, yep. hot yep. but also like you know idiosyncratic girlfriends mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and it makes larry it, oftentimes larry wants to have sex with them like yeah. that one cha-cha that he literally like, that one <laughs> but um yeah i, I like richard lewis because he's kind of like a bachelor like a perpetual bachelor and it's kind yeah. of mm-hmm. he is a like maybe one of his other best friends but it makes them like sort of frenemies sometimes you know totally i think that's a great pick um, we didn't talk about Richard a lot, which is surprising because he is in it so much, but he is very funny, very, very funny. consistent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that is great. He always got this like arm candy. Yeah. And, it just and Larry's always Larry like, nuts. <sighs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's great. Um, so my pick was Jeff. Um, Jeff sleeps with everybody behind Susie's back. Um, I also think it's just hilarious how much, how many women he gets like I think the first few times you're introduced to this I was like kind of surprised he was like so open about cheating like I think Larry like meets with a client or something or not a client but like an actress and and he's just like oh like I'd love to follow up with her and Larry's like I know what you're gonna do and then you're like oh shit Jeff like it's just like he's earned how of the show for me yeah that's a good choice too (laughs) Um, okay, now slut of the month. Slut of the month. Um, okay, I'll I'll go first for this one. Great. So I oh actually I just want to give a quick shout out to Matthew's um last slut of the month pick, which was Malignant, and I watched it and I absolutely loved it, and I yes, highly yeah. recommend people watching it. Great movie, um, iconic, very fun, iconic. So my choice is also a film. Um, it is the worst person in the world. 
which is a foreign film, Norway, um, nominated for Best International Film, Best Screenplay, I think one other thing. Um, yeah. I saw it in theaters. I recommend seeing it in theaters if you can. Have you seen it, Matthew? I have not. It's on my list. No, nah, it's on your list. Okay. So spoiler free, I won't like say anything because I want people to watch it, but I absolutely loved it. It's one of the movies, one of the first movies in a long time that I, I could not stop thinking about for days afterwards in like the best way possible. I was just totally swept by it. And it is getting some backlash right now. Um, and I listened to a podcast about it on Slate Culture Gap Fest. They talked about it. Oh, and I, podcast. It is a great podcast. I don't agree with the criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be curious, Matthew, when you watch it and yeah, read up I, on it. But I, the biggest criticism against it is because it is written by two men and it feels like female gazy. But I actually was shocked that two men wrote it because I think it's one of the most believable portrayals of being a woman as a millennial. I, oh, no. I thought it was I thought it was so uh, like exactly how it should be. It was yeah. so impressive to me that it did not bother me that two men wrote it. I actually was more impressed that two men wow. wrote it. Um, so, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's a great movie. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I'll definitely give it a watch and we can chat about it. Hopefully next yeah, time. Yeah, chat about it next time. <laughs> next time. What's your pick? My pick is um, Pamela Adlon's incredible show, Better Things, which is season five just came out. Um, it's an FX show, which you can watch mm-hmm. next day on Hulu. Um, um, this show is in my top 10 favorite shows of all time wow it is it is and in fact it's interesting that bringing it up now because in some ways it's semi-autobiographical of pamela adlon as mm, well mm-hmm. um she she plays who she is which is a working act again working actor uh she, mm-hmm. and voice act you know comedic actor voice voice actor kind of like jack of all trades actor in hollywood um and she's a single well, not single, divorced mother of uh, three three kids. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just about her being being a divorcee, being single, being a middle-aged woman, being a working actor. It, it's Hollywood. It's, but, it, but it also is, um, it often has moments, specific episodes, or like kind of just creative flourishes that heighten it and make it about more than just like, it becomes shows about there's like a mystical quality that it's able to mm. harness and it kind of like becomes about like i don't know i feel like it just captures this like uh, this mysticism like there's a standalone episode where they go visit family in canada i think and and it there's like ghosts that come into it like oh they're just what? it's like it is consistently a comedy about like mothers and daughters and being a middle-aged woman and all these things but it, ha- it it is able to achieve certain things mm-hmm. that are incredible like oh my, I, I don't even know how to describe them um it's such a good show it's like lyrical it's moving it's beautiful it's so funny pamela adlon is like such a joy um i can't recommend it enough i really should watch it i watched the pilot i think last year and i really enjoyed it i remember just being really busy at the time but i was looking to write um a speck of it at the time I think just as a practice and I just like got switched onto something else or no not a speck I 
I don't remember what I was doing, but I, I do remember really enjoying it. And yeah. um, I thought it was so funny and original. So that's a great, great show. This season yeah. has been so wonderful. Love it. Well, we well, did it again. We did it again. Um, tune in next time for our discussion on Mr. Show. Oh my gosh, I can't believe. Can't believe it. We're really doing it. We've already done three. Can't believe that's it. That's the next show, right? I'm pretty sure that's not I think so. Yeah. I think so. Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. I'm really, really intrigued. I don't know. Bob Odenkirk was on an episode of Curb too. So yes, good he stuff. was like yep. really early. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm so stoked. It's been a blast. Can't wait to do it again next time. See you guys right. then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at official underscore HB Hose. Music created by CFB. Perfect. You're bored for the radio, baby. Am I? <laughs> <laughs>